Silence those devices, grab your popcorn, and welcome back to the Neo Movies here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. My name is Felipe, and I will never talk badly about Jack Black's bow tie. Here with me to talk about School of Rock is the lovely, the titular Naomi Calhoun. Naomi, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing great. Uh, I have just got 40 gold stars, so I'm doing awesome. Zero demerits. I'm very much excited to be back in the StreamYard studio to talk about uh, the movie that I centered a whole bit around on Mike White Was Robbed, School of Rock. I'm so happy to be here, not only with you, Felipe, but with our very, very special guest, who I think is a perfect person to talk about this movie. He is not tacky. We do not hate him. It is William (laughs) Davis. Davis, come on, Will. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm I almost uh, I almost couldn't make it. I'm feeling a little sick today. I have I do have stick it to the mung neosis. Uh, I I thought I wasn't going to be here, but but here I am, and I'm very excited to talk about uh, one of my favorite movies of all time of this year. You know, at first I was going to say this was just like my favorite movie growing up, uh, but after rewatching it. I think it's at least one of my top five favorite movies. I think it is fantastic. Uh, let us go around the horn, talk about your School of Rock history, and let's start with uh, our Mike White fangirl, Miss Naomi. What is your history with the School of Rock? I think I've said it before. Let me yes. double check with School of you Rock. You probably PG-13. have, but yeah. Well, school. I, I think School of Rock is PG thirteen, right? Because I'm like ninety nine percent sure this is the first PG thirteen movie I was ever allowed to watch. Um, and it came out in 2003, September 2003, uh, which would have meant that I was about nine years old. So I probably shouldn't have. Yes, it is PG-13. You were perfect for the have... classroom. You were the perfect age. I know. and But, well, here's the thing. They probably shot it, what, like two years earlier over the course of two years. So I've been like seven. I think it would have been just a little too young. But if you don't think that the Naomi who went to arts camp and mm-hmm. took piano lessons and was in every single theatrical performance at arts camp every summer, didn't desperately want to be an actor in School of Rock, you'd be mistaken. Um, but I think you guys know me better than that. And, and you know that that's exactly the kind of person who I was. Yes. William, what about you? What is your School of Rock history? Uh, so there were, th- this definitely was my favorite movie as a child. Um, I, in like eighth grade, I remember like, me and one of my friends quoting this movie directly all the time uh long complicated story uh is that so 
the thing I have always wanted the most ever for my birthday is to not have to plan my own birthday party, uh, especially a surprise party. I love a surprise party. Um, only once in my life have I ever had a surprise party. And my mom, uh, the, the, the whole, uh, the gambit was she told me that one of her friends had a kid who was having a birthday party, uh, at this place called incredible pizza. That was, uh, kind of like Dave and Buster's for kids. Like a Chuck E. Cheese. Could you rate the pizza? Um, the pizza was just okay, I think. Uh, but they had go-karts and they had bowling and they had uh, various arcade games and things. Um, I want to say they had like big cookie pizzas on the, it was like a pizza buffet. And I want to say they had like big cookie pizzas that were really good. Um, but the, uh, so going to this uh, fake birthday party for someone I didn't know that turned out to be a surprise party for me. Um, but the fake name that my mom told me was we were going to a birthday party for her friend's son, Dewey. Um, <laughs> and she got the name Dewey specifically because I love School of Rock. Ah, we yeah. love that, Will's mom. My history with School of Rock is much less uh, in the history books. Uh, I was a friend of Naomi Calhoun. She had mm. a Mike White Was Rock podcast. She asked me on said podcast, uh, What's your thoughts on School of Rock? And I had to shamefully admit I had never seen it. And then it was on Netflix last year and I watched it at work. Uh, and that was a joy and a half. And then I rewatched it for this podcast. Uh, just a peek behind the curtain. We uh, Some scheduling conflict came up, so we weren't able to record initially. So I watched it. I cried. And then I watched it again today. It is so good. It is such a magical movie. And it must have been such a joy to work on. Now we can talk about the after effect aftermath of this movie and what it meant to the mental health of some of those kids but on set must have been a joy i feel like this must have been one of the most fun sets to work on uh like i said this on the harriet the spy podcast i did with matt matt scott and i feel like just like being a kid in that environment must have been so fun well i think that at not only would probably a lot of the child actors you know there's lots of videos out there of like everybody who's in this movie like all the actors going back on stage and performing with jack black um and i think also in many ways like jack black is america's dad yeah. and mm -hmm. i really think that um to people our age that this is just a seminal movie because it is entirely positive while also having one of the most entertaining lead actors uh, of all time yeah. at the helm of it. And it has no big, ex like no big explosions, no big fights, not even like that much, you know, it's just like, hey, you owe us like a couple thousand bucks, Dewey. And mm -hmm. yet like we are all so completely obsessed with it. I think because it has a lot to do with like being a kid and, uh, what you can achieve as a young person. I think For it really me, like, rules. The scene that I cried at was at the end. And I think a, a lot of the emotions came up just because it was like, oh, just like that pure joy that I definitely had doing elementary school theater and like performing and like having fun and like a innocence that was captured in that moment that I kind of always think of fondly. Like, and now as an adult, there's so much other stuff that you have to worry about that you don't get to like, just like 
let loose and have fun on stage uh, necessarily all the time like they did, uh, like you did in elementary school. Uh, also, like, I don't know, not to be a buzzkill eight minutes into the podcast, but hey, y'all, it's Felipe from the editing room. Just want to jump in here and tell you all that for whatever reason, the streamer didn't pick up that piece of audio. Uh, On my end, I think I might have moved my mic or something, but Naomi and Will seem to have heard it. Uh, So we'll continue in just a second. Basically, what I'm talking about is Kevin Clark's tragic bike accident and how it was sad to see this performance, knowing that he had a full life ahead of him, but his life was cut so short. So sorry about the somber note. Uh, That's what we're discussing, and that's why it's going to go straight to Naomi talking about Uh, the legacy of School of Rock and how many people cared about that. So I just wanted to give you some context from the editing room. Uh, Yeah, and we'll get back to this really somber piece of the podcast, but stay tuned for, because School of Rock is a great movie. Yeah, Yeah. and it was was a a bike accident and it was just simply something where that's just like a complete random tragedy. And to me, uh, this film the fact that that was news just shows how many people care very deeply about this film and care about what this yeah. film means to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he uh, he did like nothing else after this movie. Well, no, right? he was a drummer. He was he like went into drum for band. He had a mm-hmm. band, I think, or two bands maybe, but he did not act in anything else. Right, but, but yeah, the the fact that we all still like remember him and were affected by this news uh, is is certainly a testament to how how iconic of a film this is. Yeah, and like School of Rock has such a chokehold on society. Like, uh, there are uh, Caitlin Hale and Angelo Masagli are dating, or at least were dating. I don't know uh, what the status is right now, but they were dating. They played uh, Frankie and Eleni. Um, so, like this, this is like a big Isn't on Marta? TikTok. Isn't that the actress who plays Marta? Maybe Marta. A lot of the blonde girls, I couldn't figure out which one was which not to be racist to the whites but um oh boy now nine minutes in we're getting racist now um <laughs> i here's here's where i think we should start this film is from 2003 and it's a masterpiece and it holds me in this podcast a normal like normally for me on the mike white was on to tell about hot survivor takes this is a cold take this t- this take is freezing this movie's a masterpiece we all know it but i think it's time to refresh everybody's memories like bit by bit why this movie is yes i have so, why it's so good by beat notes so we can go through this movie um but i'm just so excited like this movie was such a joy to rewatch this week and last week and i could watch it again and again and it's honestly a crime that it is not on a free streaming service that you have to rent it every time you want should watch we it. should we first uh start the podcast by doing uh i pledge allegiance to the pod absolutely Especially the Brazilian Dragon Pod. The best podcast there is about School of Rock right now. And will not fight each other. Did you cut out for Naomi too or no? Maybe. Uh, I did not hear what Will said. I said that was my shitty internet. No, I've I've been cutting out. I think it's I think it's me. Um, Cut it out. I said and will not fight each other over creative control. And will not fight each other over creative control. Oh. I wish I had written down the whole the whole uh, thing. I could, if you had uh, gotten me on this podcast, uh, ten years. I ago. don't know, fourteen years ago. Is that when I was in eighth grade? Sure. Um, 
Ask Naomi. She's I, up here. I, I could have. Uh, I could have. I could have done the whole thing. Hang on. Well, hang on. I'm sorry. Well, I dropped. The is ball. this the most quotable movie besides The Emperor's New Groove? No, the most quotable. The Emperor's New Groove. You're out of your mind. The most quotable movie mm-hmm. is a SpongeBob movie. Uh, possibly followed by this, but I would say SpongeBob ranks number one. If you weren't singing the Goofy Goober song, uh, what were you doing? Um, a Goofy Goober, yeah. Uh, anyway, so let's talk. Um, this is written by Mike White, directed by Richard Linklater, uh, starring Jack Black. And like Naomi said, number one on the call sheet makes or breaks like a set environment. And you can tell that Jack Black is a great number one. Uh, and I am so glad that he was in this movie and uh, he feels like he, he you know that those kids were having so much fun when they weren't filming but let's start uh dewey and his band no vacancy sing below the belt song uh dewey takes up all the solo time he's going he's going out there uh stepping on his band members toes tries to crowd surf he falls on his face um and then we see him next in bed uh, have any of you ever been in uh, crowd surf? No, but this is Chekhov's crowd surf, right? Because mm-hmm. it's going to come back in the in the yeah. last act. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that what what I do also love about this movie is that, like, first of all, it's Adam Pascal in the band. Like, what the absolute fuck is mm-hmm. Adam Pascal doing in this movie? Um, mm-hmm. And it's also like that terrible kind of rock and roll that I think was kind of going around, where it's like. Just like almost ballady, but it's really just like not really saying anything. Doesn't have a lot of power. Behind you can say it. Creed. Like, it's okay. Okay, but I like. Here's the thing: I like Creed. <laughs> I I do. I very genuinely like Creed and was listening to them a couple months ago. Um, mm. This is more like a. I don't even know what band this Radiohead? would be. I'm so not into it. Radiohead. What I'm the f- sleeping? <laughs> say something. Just even bands from right? the time. No, no, this isn't about the time. It's more about the style, and I can't think of like the bands that it reminds me of. But it's like this like lethargic music that doesn't have any real like rock and roll sense to it. And I love that that's what they're trying to make fun of. Like that is a, mm-hmm. a perfect target of anti rock and roll sentiment. Yeah, um, but then we get uh, Miss Patty who pushes Ned, aka Mike White to hound Dewey for rent and Mike White in this movie doesn't really have a backbone and his whole journey is about like standing up for himself which Patty pushes and then at the end it comes full circle where he's like uh she's like yelling at him for to grow a backbone and he like closes the door on her face to go to the concert um Naomi Mm -hmm. if you have not seen School of Rock and you are listening to this movie you have to stop right now go watch it watch it again and then listen to this podcast what if somebody was like, I forget if, if Mike White gets a backbone or not. Um, Will, <laughs> I, Will, for from your perspective, like, are you a rock and roll guy? Like, do you, because I think that uh, music is something that is so, everybody has different tastes and opinions. And I know that you were a band kid like me, mm-hmm. but were you a rock and roll kid as well as a band kid? Not really. I, I think like, so I definitely listened to some rock stuff that like my older brother and his friends listened to. Um, but I, I don't know that I would call myself a rock. I, I like loved the idea of this, but like I, I played the trombone. I did not play mm-hmm. an, an instrument that had any like applicable skills to rock band. Um, but I, I, 
enjoyed it in this movie for sure. Uh, well, and you... and I think a, a lot of the well, a lot of the times, like I will hear these songs, and instead of thinking of them as "Hey, that's just a really good song that exists," it's "Hey, that song was in School of Rock and was uh, good in that movie." <laughs> when you said like they're not applicable to rock bands, I pictured like you playing. Like I pictured like the the video game yeah. Rock Band, but then there's like a trombone. <laughs> in trombone the hero. Tr- yeah, trombone hero. That'd be good. Isn't that like a violin rock band? I feel like that's a thing. Violin like rock they, band. They tried to make like a like realistic instruments for like Wii music or something. I can't remember. Yeah, that might be. That was um, weird. Rock violin. No. Anyways, this is a later me question. Um, so anyways, uh, Dewey needs rent money. Uh, I love how Dewey keeps calling sub sub work temping. Like, <laughs> you're a temp. Cool um, temp. And Ned even challenges him to try it. And Dewey says, I will try for Ned. Uh, but then he goes to band practice and he gets kicked out of no vacancy for this new hot guy that is not Dewey who won't steal the spotlight. And Spider. Hit- Spider, yes, who later hits on Joe Cusack. I- I'll say it. Dewey deserved to get kicked out of his band. He was not a good bandmate. Nope. He was egotistical. He was lazy. He was taking too much of the stage up and taking too long of the solos. He deserved to get kicked out of his band. That was the push he needed as an artist. Yeah. Will, uh, have you ever been kicked out of band? I don't think so. Hopefully, I've... hopefully, I don't get kicked out of this podcast. You will not. No. Phineas and Ferb, maybe, but not this uh, one. The un- under underreported story on Spider is uh, what the hell is this like torsoless sleeve? Thank you. Shirt thing he's wearing um, i think it's it, i think it's hilarious it's it's the yeah. upper body version of assless chaps is what it is <laughs> do but, you remember um you remember how dimitri martin used to have that joke that was like leather jackets are cool but leather sleeves aren't or leather vests aren't cool mm-hmm. so the secret to being cool is leather sleeve that's just what that is <laughs> yeah, I, guess, I guess that that's it does it work is or were the yeah. leather sleeves cool um, I haven't though? been kicked out of a band, but I haven't kicked out of band class, Felipe. Oh, like, same orchestra, but same. Yeah, so I uh, uh, I was in fifth grade and I I sat behind the trumpet section. There's a boy Matt who played trumpet who was kind of a jokester, and I was kind of a jokester. And he went to sit down, and I pulled his chair out from under him, and I got in you know, a lot of trouble. So I got kicked out of uh, trumpet. I got kicked out of orchestra class one time because. This kid, Harvey, was poking me with his bow, and then I went and poked him back, and I got caught, and he didn't. So, shame on you, Harvey. That's why you never retaliate. Mm-hmm. There was there was a day in high school band, it was uh, April Fool's Day, where the band director uh, went to me beforehand, and we planned out a prank. Uh, and she told me to just act like a little a-hole throughout class, and then she would pretend to, pretend to kick me out. Were you like a goody two shoes um, in band? So this was like unrealistic. In yeah, I I was definitely a goody two shoes. Were you high first school. chair? I was first chair. I was the only person in the band who made the all state band. Um, wow, all state! Did I mean, get... it was it was it was all state in Oklahoma. So, well, it's still. Well, I feel like Oklahoma in this, like you know, the South has like a really big sort of band mm-hmm. culture, even though it's mostly translated to marching band. But mm-hmm. so. Okay, now I have a lot of questions. So when you uh-huh. to get into Allstate, did you have to do like a a, a solo audition and get a hundred on it? Um, I it, well, it was like 
you did an audition and like everyone played the same thing and then they like there were so there was there was regionals and then there was the state tryouts and it was like the the people uh so you auditioned at regionals for the all region band and then if you did well enough they let you also audition for the all state band and then there were probably like I'd say a hundred or so trombone players who would try out for the all state band. And then they would take like the top nine or so. Damn. I feel, I like that a little bit. So, so in New York, uh, trigger warning to anybody who played band in the state of New York <laughs> or something called NISMA and you would have to play a NISMA solo. Now this could be any solo you wanted to, but like at a certain mm, point you mm-hmm. need to play a level five or six and you needed most of the time to get a hundred based on the instrument you played to even be considered for an all state band. So I can make all county, mm, but okay. I couldn't make all state a lot of the time because I just didn't give a shit to try and get a hundred. But uh yeah, that that's I like that system a lot better. Um, yeah, also... we, we did have we did have solo <laughs> contests, but it was like a separate thing. Yeah. Oh God, I hated Nisma so much. <laughs> so I'm sorry to everybody who maybe played band in school that that brought it up. But uh, this leads me to something that I want to talk about about this movie because I feel like most people know. But if you don't, you don't. And now I'm going to tell you is that all of these child actors um, do have musical talent and the are ones playing that play instruments mm-hmm. like they are playing the instruments in the movie. And a lot of them were cast based on the fact that they play instruments and not so much that they were child actors like and that they could learn it, like especially Lawrence and, and mm-hmm. the actor who plays Zach Joey um, later got arrested they- for stealing uh, guitars and amps. Fuck, mm-hmm. fuck the system. Shoplifting's fun. Stick it uh, to the man. But, yeah, stick, stick it to the man. man. But uh, that's something I think that is super special about this film, and I feel like Will, I really appreciate it as a band kid, and I don't know if you mm-hmm. feel the same way. Of, like, yeah, to watch even their whenever, fingers and it's right. Yeah, notes, when I uh, when I was watching it today, I was specifically paying attention because I don't I don't know anything about uh, string instruments, but I was paying attention to uh, Lawrence playing the piano if his fingers were doing what the music said they should be doing and they were uh naomi follow-up question do you know what if jack black played guitar previously or did he have to learn for this movie do you not know Olivier. <laughs> what? no what uh oh called a setup for naomi to explain to the audience felipe please tell me you know about the band tenacious d yeah okay good you don't, don't need know to any pretend music, like you I don't know, know about it. Tenacious D. I would rather, Felipe, that you know about you, that everybody <laughs> knows you know about Tenacious D than have you pretend that you don't know. Because what a gift Tenacious D is to the world, right? Uh, but yes, Jack Black was I couldn't name any Jack- one of those songs, but I am aware of Tenacious D. Can't even kick boo. Um, Tenacious <laughs> D uh, is a sort of comedy band that Jack Black is in with another man. I think his name is Kevin or my Kyle Gass. Kyle. And uh, they are fantastic. It reminds me of like a rock and roll for the Concords in a way. But at the same time, uh, you know, Jack Black was in high fidelity. Like Jack Black's acting career, I think, before this did have a lot to do with musical, even musical sort of performances, even if he not ne- wasn't necessarily playing an instrument or singing. I think he still was very clearly like a guy who could just bust out a tune and everyone was like, this guy's got it. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've been sitting on this joke for like five minutes. The scene where he gets uh, kicked out of the band gave me the vibes of in Dream Girls, where uh, they're like, Effie, you've been late, you've been mean, you're getting fatter all the time from uh, It's All Over. And I don't know, that's just the line that stood out to me when he got kicked out. 
That's a lie. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been feeling so well. Great, great musical. Yeah, Dream great Girls. Musical. Dream Girls, the movie Dream where. <laughs> well, so vivid, vivid childhood memory. I was we watched Shark Tale at the drive-in movie, and then the second movie was Dream Girls, and I think Eddie Murphy does cocaine in like the opening of that movie, and my parents were like, "We're going." Like they, they're like, "All right, we're out of here." Uh, so I didn't, I, I didn't see Dream Girls for a long time. Um, yeah. but shout I, out I to Jay Hud. Yeah, and... sure. Shout out to Jennifer Hudson, a, a very, very talented actress who's finally, who, who got an EGOT, right? Yeah, EGOT technically. Good for her. Um, she is an EGOT, and now she's gonna be hosting the Jennifer Hudson show. She kicked out Ellen. Yeah, fuck Ellen. Her stage. Um, I also want to clarify, I, I know you probably said it, but that Mike White wrote this movie, and I think that it's so fun to me when writers of movies are also in the movies, because I don't think anybody could play the Ned Schneebly role as well as Mike White, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a perfect cast, and I, I feel like so... You might see a lot of like TV directors or actors, but I feel like movies, it's actually kind of rare mm-hmm. for them not even to be the leads. It's its also like the opposite of like the Lin-Manuel Miranda effect where he will write these musicals and like give him the lead really good part and like make him seem cooler than he is. But uh, How dare you disrespect my... the Kinkachu from Vivu? No, I, 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 I'm not saying he's not cool, but... Mike White did the opposite thing where uh, he like took the character who is like the, the loser punching bag and wrote himself in that role, which is, which is icon behavior. Icon behavior. Abby award nominee, Mike White for yeah. the white Lotus since our last Mike white Lotus. <laughs> The Mike White Lotus. Mike White's definitely been an Emmy not before though. Hang Maybe on. enlightened. I've never seen enlightened. I I'm, I'm looking into it. I'm looking into it. I'll get. I'll get Will back Spies, to the Laura award. Dern. The Laura Dernissance. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, Dewey is hungover. Uh, he takes a call for Ned from Joan Cusack. I almost said Crawford again. Um. So uh, they need a substitute at Horace something middle school. Horace Green. What? Horace Green. Horace Green. And we uh, uh, from Horace elementary Green. school. Um, and uh, he, he pretends to be Ned. He's like, "Oh, hello, this is Ned Schneebly." Um, goes in. He's hungover, and then uh, Freddie calls him an alcoholic, which is hilarious, but also like kind of sad. Um, Maya, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say that Hor- so Horace Green. Um, this first of all, this this set is mostly on Staten Island, which I think is very funny. It's, it's filmed at a college. Um. But Horace, Horace Green is a play on Horace Mann, which is a real, like, very prestigious high school in Westchester County that um, I have friends who went there who I met through band camp. And um, I never really kind of understood how prestigious a school it was until I kind of got older. But, like, the the vibes of the parents in this movie are exactly exactly like rich annoying westchester parents and that's in my sort of vision that's where this movie takes place this is a westchester like movie and this movie says fuck westchester (laughs) and and i agree yeah well uh what did you think of the school would you would you what was your elementary school setup compared to this kind of school i 
I went to public school in Oklahoma. No, uh, I know I, that. I, I, I know nothing. I'm asking about the layout of like the this. hallways in the principal's office in the classroom. Um, well, it wasn't until uh, fifth and sixth grade where we actually had more than one teacher. Uh, so fifth and sixth grade, I had two teachers that we would go to for half the day. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this looks like a school. I went to a school that looked like a school. I, I, I don't know that I have any any uh, special wisdom about what schools look like, other than the fact that I work at a school, but it's it's a school for big kids. You mean adults? <laughs> I do mean adults. <laughs> I um, feel like, I don't know about you guys, but to me, when I was young, a, a uniform was the biggest nightmare I could think of. Mm. Like, as a child, when, watching these kids and seeing them in their little outfits, like, and I think also maybe I, like, was projecting some of my distaste for Catholic school onto other people, but, like, a uniform looked like the scariest fucking thing to me. Like, I want, like, I didn't think, like, Gossip Girl shit was glamorous. Sorry, Maddie G, but, like, I was, like, I was, like, if you have to make me wear a freaking skirt every day, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. I could just sense that as a child. Our, so they look our... really cool. Our biggest rivals in high school who were, you know, 25 minutes away from us, they they had school uniforms and we made fun of them a lot for wearing polos and khaki pants every day. Not to be the dissenting voice. I did have uniforms in high school. I did not. But uh, in Brazil, the school is all you have to wear uniforms. So I was always jealous of my Brazilian friends who got like free clothes. Um, was it but... free? I always thought you had, your parents would have to buy them. Maybe. I don't know. To me, they were free. I, I but, think I think the re, the reality of us as as adults now is that I think the I, hey as someone who clothes. has to wear uniforms at work, it's fine, like it's not the end of the world. Oh, see, but, don't don't hold me down, man. Stick it in the man. I'm not. I'm, I'm I'm too punk rock to wear freaking a skirt every day. Yeah. We gotta, I did I did like when whenever uh, he he's wearing the uniform at the end, but it's yeah. a uniform made for children, so it's like shorts on Jack Black. <laughs> That was funny. Yeah. Uh, we also meet a young, bright-eyed Miranda Cosgrove here as Summer. Uh, she explains you stars. Cosgrove? Cosgrove. <laughs> you said, like, like Cosgrove is in the heart. Like... Yeah, the, the, the Emperor's new Cosgrove. <laughs> like Costco? No. Um, anyways. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Dewey's like, fuck the stars. He rips them out. Um and uh, we also get this quick scene just to establish who the principal is. Uh, principal uh, Roz, uh, she's scolding this girl named Emily. And we never see Emily for the rest of the movie, I don't think. Yeah, very tragic story of Emily. Yeah. Miss Rosalie Mullins. I mean, Joan Cusack is literally, first of all, Joan Cusack's, the fact that Joan Cusack can voice Jesse the cowgirl is its <laughs> own, like, art form you know but also mm -hmm. she is she is so good in this film it's kind of crazy yeah like i i've never and she is a very like we all know that jack black is a physical comedian like has a lot of physical comedy to him but i also think that when you watch joan cusack back in this movie she is also incredibly funny with her physicality and the way that she like she's always like touching her glasses and like her hands are all for weird. me the scene I, that uh, is best is when she's talking to the parents and she's like your kids are gone like <laughs> and she like opens her arms um, yeah huge huge shouts to the the casting director in this movie i think i think every casting choice is, is literally perfect yeah 
Uh, and then we get uh, Dewey struggling to get new bandmates. He's putting up flyers like uh, on the posts outside of the buildings. And he tries to get recruit Ned again, say, what happened to the cross-dressing uh, vampire hard incubus. rocker in there? I don't remember. The incubus from Maggot Death. Yes. And he gives the classic line, I'm not a satanic sex god anymore. <laughs> if you've yeah. never heard Mike White say, I'm not a satanic sex god anymore, you're what are you doing with your life? You're missing out. To quote I one mean... of my favorite television characters, wanky, Santana Lopez. I I think that has gone over both of our heads, Felipe, and it's okay. Do you not know you who know? Santana Lopez is? I know who Santana Lopez is. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the context of what you're saying. Suggestive in Glee, she would be like wanky. So okay, I, that must have slipped my. I only watched the first two seasons of Glee, so it might have slipped my mind in the past ten years. Like when um, when um when she's telling uh, Doctor Jesse. Uncle Jesse from uh, Full House, uh, Don- John Stamos, that she, uh, he can drill her anytime. And then, and then like, she would, she would, she would make a joke at him, and then say wanky. You, I'm doing a disservice to the Lake right now. All right, all right. We are going to move I'll on. Hide it at some mm-hmm. point. I, what I was I'll going send you to a say... 35 minute Best of Santana Lopez montage, and you can watch it all. Oy vey. Uh, I'll watch that on uh, incognito mode so my algorithm doesn't think I want more glee. Because um, I'm already I'm trying to train my TikTok algorithm not to show me it. Anyways, um, this is all to say that uh, the best part about Mike White in this film to me is that like he is not overselling anything he's saying. And that he's always sort of just being like, yeah, but like, I'm a, I'm just like a regular guy now, Dewey. And like, he never goes like, I'm not a satanic sex god anymore. Like, he's always mm. really underselling the stuff he says. And this also leads me to say that the point, another point I have is that you have to imagine that when, uh, when Nick Wilson gets on the island and Survivor Dave vs. Goliath and goes, hey, hey, warning, I know we're you talking about something. this dickhead from Survivor Dave vs. Goliath that won. Anyways, yeah, why well, this is only to mention because he's the one who says it in the episode that he goes, Don't I know you from something? And he's like, You were in School of Rock. And can you imagine that this is the scene that Nick is thinking of when he confronts me <laughs> in the first 10 minutes of meeting him? Is oh, yeah, you're the satanic sex god from uh, School of Rock. I remember you. <laughs> yeah, Mike White was Rob TM, anyways. Um, Let's uh let's talk about uh how Dewey slacks off and Summer is annoyed. She's like, "This isn't a vacation. This is school. Uh, how am I gonna be the baddest B in this classroom if you're not gonna give me gold stars?" Uh, and Dewey t- tells uh, his students to stick it to the man, uh, because that is his is his rock mantra. This is even before they get musically uh, situated in this classroom. So. Uh, he overhears them. He's taking a tinkle in the men's room, and he hears this playing during music class. And then he goes, he watches uh, through the door. He's like, "Oh my god, these kids are musical geniuses!" And he goes and grabs all these instruments from his van. I like that when you write these recaps, Felipe, that you will add, "Yeah, he's taking a piss." Like I love that that's something <laughs> you think is noteworthy. Very important detail. I just write down what's happening each minute, like. I don't know. Yeah, I, but, I'm a perfectionist. I, I'm just I saying, it's, char- it's charming. It's funny. <laughs> I have OCD, so I like to make sure I have every single important detail. 
And sometimes I add the unimportant details because I'm scared that it will pay off later in the movie and I didn't have it written down. Chekhov's piss? But you've seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to me, usually I write, my, I watch the movie once or the thing I'm podcasting and then I rewatch it and take notes. But because uh, I thought I was only going to be able to watch this once before we recorded, I wrote it down. I watched it and took sure, notes sure. at the time and it had a, it been a minute since I had seen the movie. So. Sure. It is but. relevant though because he does hear them playing the the Like if he so wasn't I... taking a piss, he would probably be taking a nap in his in his truck or in his van or eating a sandwich. Uh I also do love so like something that I think uh I criticize a lot of movies that we watch for is that like the screenplay is just not that good and I think that this is such a great screenplay and it's not just cuz my my uh my Lord and Savior Mike White wrote it, but it's also because it's really well-structured, so we get to see, like, the personality of the kids comes forward, like, we get, you know, Summer right away being the, like, know-it-all, we get Zach being a little moody in the back, we get Freddie being kind of a jerk-off, we get uh, Tamika being somebody who has a sandwich in her desk, and, and it starts mm-hmm. to sort of connect with uh, Dewey right away, and to me, like, there is not an ounce of screen time or script time wasted in this movie. That's what I love about it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Mike White is a very good writer, and I feel like people just like associate him with like this reality TV person. Uh, and I think The White Lotus is a great comeback for him. But like, I feel Do like you know he wrote have... Pitch Perfect three. I have not seen that really? Pitch Perfect, but this is I what I just did. learned on Wikipedia. Yeah, he's writing the next Despicable Me movie, which I'm very excited about. Um, but the one and only Ivan, like, nobody watched that movie besides me, but I really love that movie. I think he's, like, a great writer, and I'm glad that people are finally recognizing him more uh, as a great writer, with The White Lotus especially. But uh, Enlightened was very when, when The next time you mention that Mike White's writing the next Despicable Me movie, a, a Beetlejuice-style minion is going to come through <laughs> the podcast because uh, it'll be the third time. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I love the movements. They are great. Anyways. Uh, I can't say... I, I just want to say, because this is going to go on both feeds, that Mike White was robbed is not a pro-minion podcast. Uh, how dare you disrespect Mike White's nest if there were, If there was ever any doubt whether... If there was ever any doubt whether Felipe was a millennial or Gen Z, his opinion on the... His minion opinion has... has <laughs> I'm a millennial. <laughs> firmly put him in one of those categories. I, I did see the first Despicable Me in theaters. I remember that. Um, but I was like a senior in high school and I was like, fuck this movie. <laughs> um, I went to a 4 p.m. showing on a Friday with some friends uh, before the 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. And then the credits did were rolling. Did you dress up? What? Did you dress up? No, yeah. absolutely not. That's tacky and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Um, I, I just want to talk about how Zach is playing classical ch- classical guitar because I've taken some classical guitar classes when I was at summer camp and that's just fucking hard. And the fact that he is playing classical guitar is almost more impressive to me than him playing rock and roll guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was waiting for him to start up with, uh, with the Spanish flair, but no, we didn't really get much of that. Will, how do you feel about the makeup, uh, the instrumentation of this band? Because I think it's quite the odd duck. Yeah, so two guitars, bass, keyboard, drums. There's a lot more uh, 
backup don't forget singers the backup singers. Right. Yeah. That's. Um, yeah. I guess I don't know enough about about rock band. Uh, to know if that's too much of anything or too little of anything. Well, I would, I would obviously love, a, I would obviously love a, a horn section. I love a band with a horn section. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Were all your brothers in band, Will? Uh, yeah. Nathan quit band the earliest of us, but all of us were in band at some point. So, did you ever consider family, a uh, family rock band? Yeah, with, with, uh, two trumpets, and a trombone, and a kid who plays percussion. You just did that because you weren't good at the anything else. The worst brass quintet in the world. <laughs> hey, I'd support y'all. My dad, I guess my my dad also played the French horn and my mom played the piccolo. Oh. Uh, if you really want to uh, screw up the in- instrumentation even more. Yeah, she, she couldn't have picked up the euphonium or anything, mm-hmm. you know. Listen, if uh, y'all could be like Selena Los Dinos, but the white version. Yeah, so then he brings all his instruments there, and Dewey teaches them all how to play them rock band way. Uh, Zach on the electric guitar, Lawrence on the keyboard, Katie on the bass cello. Um, you got a you got a bass there, and then Freddie on the drums because he can't play anything else. Uh, he wants them to be in this school project, aka Battle of the Bands. Uh, other kids want to be in the band. Uh, they have singing auditions, and I like how each character sings something that's relevant to them. Like, we, we don't get Tamika later, but she sings Chain of Fools. Uh, Eleni sings, uh, what does she sing? The song for this the is, this is Marta. Song. Marta. Her, her name is Marta. Who's Eleni the then? I don't know. There's an Eleni. She's, one of, the, she's one of the groupies, I think. I don't even know. They, like, have no okay. name. I watched mm-hmm. on Amazon, and you know how they have the thing with, like, if you, like, hover over it, it tells you who's in that mm-hmm. team? And Eleni kept popping. I was like, I thought this girl's name was Marta, but I kept writing Eleni. Whatever. Yeah, uh, Eleni. Yeah, one of the one of the two uh, played by Veronica Afflerbach, uh, I think, is one of the two uh, groupies. Anyway, Marta the sings "The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow." Alicia sings uh, "Amazing Grace." Miranda Cosgrove sends, uh, sings uh, "Memory." Uh, very out of tune, but if you've heard "Kissing You," that's a I... banger. Marina Cosgrove. A couple things. One, I did not know until way too recently that that song was from Cats. Oh, wow. Um, Not a Mr. Mistopheles over here. uh, Second thing, I did see on the IMDb trivia page that uh, Miranda Cosgrove took a 45-minute bad singing lesson for that scene. I also saw that, which I think is so funny because, as we know, Miranda Cosgrove is a decent singer. Um, mm-hmm. And if you, I did buy "Leave It All to Me." Oh uh, yeah, and I like her music. Um, I will say that I also didn't know that "Memory" was from Cats, but I think I figured it out like much earlier than you will. Well, uh, I, I had zero exposure to Cats until I saw the movie on an airplane, like. Oh my god! I you watched cats on an airplane. That's I wasn't, crazy. It, I, I was a captive audience then. I was. I wasn't going to watch it on my own time. Um, what I also really like about this scene that that we just broke down is is how the other kids like what I what I love about this is that the kids are always standing up for themselves. Right? They're always like, mm-hmm. "Well, what are we going to do? What are we like? Where's our involvement?" Like Jack Black 
is very focused and once he realizes he can achieve this goal but like the kids are always really standing up for themselves especially summer but i think also like um frankie and gordon and all the kids who are sort of in the in the background and and to me that's what i love about this movie is like every single child in the classroom is utilized some way and the Mm -hmm. one thing that i wish we had was i kind of wish we had more for like the the security and the roadies and the groupies because to me those are like they're they're very funny the actors i like the scenes where they're like the bumblebees the koala bears Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what i would have named my band um Mm -hmm. but i wish they had more to do you know it's like such a shame that they kind of get iced out by the end of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah i do i do like that they at least get like one scene one little small scene with each of them doing their thing and and everyone gets to shine a little bit but yeah they do they do get in the grand scheme of things uh forgotten a little bit compared to the others yeah. So then we go to lunchtime and Lawrence comes up to him and he's like, oh, I don't think I'm cool enough to be in a band. And Dewey gives him a great pep talk. He's like, you're Mr. Cool. Um, so that's that's a great because like despite Dewey being an awful regular teacher, he is a good mentor, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. He's and the like, bee's knees. The bee's knees. The bee's knees. The bee movie knees. Anyways. Um <laughs> He the the band assignments are next. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Let's rock. Let's rock today. I did that. I did that. I was, Danny was sitting next to me and I did that on him. But I, I feel like mm-hmm. it's, rock and roll is perfect. Okay. I, so Mike White didn't... Mike White isn't into rock and roll the same way Jack Black is, right? This movie isn't because Mike White really likes rock and roll. It's because mm-hmm. Jack Black really likes it. Rock, rock and roll. Oh, I bet you like Mike White. Like, oh God, what's a good like Mike White is probably into definitely like, ABBA, Oasis or something. You know, something where it's mm. like it's not as hardcore, but it's like it's good. And you know, I feel like Mike White. I was thinking like Barry Manilow. Not that. Sound not off that. in the comments what Please. you think Mike White listens to. Um, but I, I so one of my favorite movies of all time is The Blues Brothers. And it's my favorite movie uh, for a lot of reasons, but one of the big reasons it's one of I love it so much is because there's so many very very talented musicians, and it was kind of responsible in a way for bringing blues to a new audience. Uh, artists like Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin and Cab Calloway, and that was a movie where Jim Belushi didn't know shit about the blues, but uh, Dan Aykroyd was super into it, and that's what I feel like this movie is in a way, is that Mike White didn't know shit about rock and roll, he doesn't care, but Jack Black is so into it that they make the movie for Jack Black, and it kind of brings rock and roll to kids who are our age. When you're, like, nine years old, you know, you don't really get shown music that is, like, especially, like, I remember being introduced to, like, Green Day and being like, oh my god, this is, like, they said, like, fuck, like, oh my god. Uh, And I feel like it's that that is the age of exposure of like rock and roll is is to tell the man to fuck off and like it's a new era of being a kid and i think that we we had a lot of really great brands like you know some 41 i'm just a simple plan i'm just a kid you know what i mean like these songs fucking slap uh i'm in too deep cheaper by the dozen is it on mm-hmm. the list for Ooh, it should be. it's a good one do we have to have Matt Lagoria on that podcast? Because I will deploy. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll message I'll message him. Uh, okay. But that that's that song. This is Naomi's talking a lot to say that rock and roll is I think 
the perfect this is the perfect age to introduce rock and roll to kids at and i think it just really adds to the story of like exposing a new group of of young people to rock and roll because i didn't know who the mm-hmm. fuck led zeppelin was when i was nine what was and the now 2022 what, version what you're saying is rock got no reason rock got no rhyme <laughs> what would you be the 2022 version like what musical genre of the last 20 years would be like the them would it be like pop pop punk school of rock school of I pop f- punk please get the branding right i feel like it would be so like this is like 2003 so maybe shot around 2001 2002 uh so you know the rock of like the 60s and 70s but now we're in 2020s so maybe it's like the the pop of the 80s so it's like Mm -hmm. it's a little bit michael jackson but it's a little bit like madonna cindy lopper you know like showing showing the kids where the pop really came from not just britney not just christina Mm -hmm. or disco they say disco's dead but uh it's coming back school of disco well that's saturday night fever they already did that Um, not with kids I guess. I, I, I was thinking like boy bands, like '90s boy bands. Like, didn't someone? I was. Touch uh, her face. Uh, didn't she not know what? Uh, who? Uh, Turning NSYNC. red was. And sync was. was uh, oh, true. But I feel like boy bands are boy bands are eternal, right? Like, there's a mm-hmm. whole K-pop craze. There's a whole like. Uh, I think boy bands still kind of exist in America, right? Like, people okay, watch. What about '90s? Some people watch Big Time Rush and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, not me, but younger people. What about '90s R&B, like Mariah Carey or uh, Boyz II Men? Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a good point too. The problem is like, <laughs> are you gonna put together a band of kids doing '90s R&B? Like, I don't think we could write the School of Rock two sequel, Felipe. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's there. But I think it's because it, it's not, you know. I guess it would be kids making a K-pop group or something, right? Like, <laughs> you know, there was a School of Rock TV show on Nickelodeon for three seasons. I'm not watching that shit. You're not going to do daily coverage of it? Yeah, I'll be like Taryn. I'll do like a live feed update on the School of Rock episodes. Like, it's Anyways, an hour uh, 12. Think I about the band assignments. Mind. Billy is a roadie. Uh, Summer is a groupie. And they're both unhappy. And then the next day, Summer comes to Dewey in the morning, blackmails him into making him uh sorry making her something that isn't a groupie i believe she says i looked it up online i don't want to be like did she say she doesn't want to be a slut she said they're sluts yeah sex with the band (laughs) yeah so then she blackmails Dewey into making her something else because she'll tell the parents what they're actually doing um and he she becomes a manager of the band yeah i i this character is iconic like the miranda cosgrove i think is an iconic actor for anybody who was born like 1993 and later but i think particularly it's like this and megan because a lot of people are gonna say it's iCarly but it's not iCarly it's summer it's summer and it's megan and it's those two roles that i think cement her as like an actress Mm -hmm. of our ship how dare you neglect margo in the despicable me franchise Naomi's about to quit the uh, podcast. I'm about to despicable my ass out of here. <laughs> um, so then uh, I love how the schedule for classes. Uh, we start rock history, then we get rock appreciation. We get band practice the rest of the day. Um, 
And he does the "You're not hardcore unless you go hardcore" song. Unless you live uh, hardcore. You live hard but the legend of the rent was way hardcore. hardcore. I could do that entire bit. Okay, the, yeah. the whole uh, I'm. It, it'll take too much time. No, there, we got all the time in the world. No, we for that not. I will. Some I will, of us I will need just to. Wait until some of us are not, and it is not 5 p.m. for some of us. Some of us need to make dinner at some point. But I will say, Bill, I would love for one day for you to cover that song. I feel Definitely. like. The Legend of the Rent in adulthood is the most relevant song, right? Where mm-hmm. you're like, damn, the rent is way hardcore, and I'm really oh, sick. Oh, yeah. When and the rent is that... too damn high. Yeah. When he said that, Shout he out was to Jimmy McMillan. 50 a week, I was like, Jack Black, respect yourself more. But then I remembered this was 2003 money. Yeah, I also like the the, the first time he said, so the second time he says The Legend of the Rent was way hardcore. The first time he says uh, The Legend of the Rent was way past due. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also uh, hilarious. Yeah. Um, so Dewey wants to organize a field trip and he meets the co-teachers in the lunchroom and he schmoozes them because he's a very charismatic person. Um, can I ask a question? So we mentioned the uniforms earlier. How was Freddy allowed to roam the schools in just a turtleneck? I feel like turtlenecks are like uppity shit. Like it that's no like... connection to the uniform though. I was like, where did... What? Costume person, you slacked off that day. I don't even. Uh, tragically, I don't remember Freddy's uh, uh, turtleneck. I'll go back and look for it. I feel like I love the little hats that the costume person put on. Like, like Summer always has like a little beret on, mm-hmm. or like there's there's like a lot of little fun details with some of these characters that I think yeah. just cement their personality. I also want to point out that again, so. The Battle of the Bands, you'll win twenty thousand uh, dollars. I believe that Dewey only owes Ned Schneebel like two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. <laughs> like it's something hilarious like that, where you're like, okay, this this doesn't feel like the plot point it, is lining up. It goes back to like the motivations, because for Dewey, it's not really about the money for the Battle of the Bands. It's about he wants to be a rocker. He wants to perform in Battle of the Bands, and then like he learns to love these kids and like. He wants them to succeed in that mission that they created together. But like he was doing the teaching too, as well, like for the rent money. As yep. so, it wasn't just about the money for the battle, of the band's part. Yes, I also think that uh, Slacker Dewey is like so relatable, right? Uh, like, hey man, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, I want to do this for art, but uh, you know, I think it's a sentiment we can all agree on is like sometimes art is very hard, and sometimes other people are gonna give up around you. And you got to keep pressing and you got to find like the spark that makes what you do actually have a lot of heart behind it. I love this movie so much. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, He gives everyone CDs for homework uh, with specific instructions for each one. Like one is piano focus for Lawrence. One is um, yes. That's the name of the band. What? Yes. Yes. That's the name of the band. Yeah. Listen to the piano solo on roundabout. Yeah. I didn't, write down every single cd i only had so much space on this paper um i'm, I'm that i didn't write that down at all that's that's from but yeah that's, that's up here <laughs> that, yeah. that is Maybe. indelible uh, but my girl tamika comes up to mr jack black and says that she wants to be a singer and uh uh she sings chain of fools sorry she slays chain of fools mm. and dewey was like why didn't you do this early and she's like because i don't want to be made fun of and i'm like tamika relatable queen so I did a lot of musicals when I was a kid, and uh, 
I found it was very scary to sing in front of an audience. It's like one of the scariest feelings, uh, you know, Felipe, I'm sure you know, as uh, you have one of the most iconic young adult cringe videos I've ever seen in my life of you singing. Um, but, and it's, and it's really good. Uh, but it's really bad. Like, it, no, it's like, it's like good as like a clip. I'm not saying it's good as like a vocal performance, but what I am saying is that like the, the nerves for singing never really go away, but I love that. Yeah. Sometimes you're so scared to sing that even when you know you can sing, you don't want to sing. You're too scared. Like Tamika is such a relatable character. And that's what I love about this script is that like every sort of style of child is represented if that makes sense you have the kid who just follows the rules the kid who doesn't who says you know fuck you to the man the kid who is really doesn't think he deserves to belong you have to be, like there's just everybody has such a distinct personality and that's i think the joy of also i feel like you can't make this film today mostly because mm -hmm. kids would be bullying each other on tiktok or something right mm -hmm. but like you can't make this film today it's something very special about the 2000s yeah i agree with that um which character do you feel like is the most representative of who you were at this age i think who, I, see... I think who i wanted to be and who i probably actually was are probably two different things i feel like will wanted to be zach yeah i was definitely a quiet kid um yeah i was gonna say I... will probably is zach I think I wanted to be Zach, but still like didn't have enough confidence for even what he had. I think I probably uh, was like uh, Gordon, the the light show kid. Okay, that, yeah. yeah, I can see it. Um, uh, I as a summer through and through, um, like I was bossy and annoying, and I was bossy and annoying all the way up until right now. Um, so <laughs> it's it, it stayed. It stayed true, but I was like, um, although I was kind of a diva. I don't think I told this story on on anything before, but uh, so at my summer arts camp, like Who's I it? mentioned, uh, it would be like a week long, or like a couple week long session. And if you stayed long enough, if you did, it was a day camp. You could be in the play at the end, and they were doing a play that was basically based. Some of the rules were based off of Candyland, and Candyland was my favorite game when I was a kid. I love Queen Frostine so much. I would dress up as her mm -hmm. and I didn't get the role and I cried so hard they gave me the role. <laughs> what I was Leo probably Michelle? like seven or eight. I was Come like, on, Rachel I was Berry. Like, I was just too young to like really understand the idea of like letting other people have things. And to me, it was just like, I love Queen Frostine so much. I must be her. Like I, I couldn't process other things outside of what I wanted. So a little bit of a diva in that moment. And I apologize yeah. to the person who gave up the role so graciously to me. I think it was an older kid, and they understood. Okay. Uh, well, I could I could see myself between like somewhere in the the Freddie Billy line. Like I'm somewhere on that scale. Like um, the Freddie Billy binary. Yes. Um, <laughs> like uh, definitely like kind of vocal about things that I disagreed with, like Billy. Uh, even a little bit like more flamboyant and attention loving um but uh then not like, afraid uh, to call people tacky. energy act out nature that freddie has no, i loved acting out, I got out of class a lot because i was smart and like the teachers didn't like the fact that i was smart 
What is okay? Expound upon that a little bit more. Hang on. So you were smart, but I was being a smart ass. Yeah. See, that's not just being smart. That's just being. But then I was like, in hindsight, I was like, oh, at least I was a smart kid. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um. Anyways, Dex got. Oh, go ahead. What were you saying? Go ahead. Zach's dad scolds him outside for listening to rock, and uh, that's an example of sticking it to the man. So uh, Jack Black, a.k.a. Dewey Finn, a.k.a. Ned Schneebly, um, tells them all to roast him. Stick it to the man, because he's the man in the class. And Leonard's like, yeah, we stick it to the man. So they all go around. And then this is where uh, the classic, uh, he, okay, the roasting's done. They move on. And Dewey's like, talk about something you hate. And Billy pipes up. He's like, you, you're tacky and I hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, classic, classic, classic. It's such a seminal line, children's, mm-hmm. children's media. Um, and I feel like there's like, <laughs> like Jack Black just kind of takes it on the chin. He's like, all right, we'll talk about it after class. Like he, he doesn't want to be hated by any of these kids. He's not like a bad guy, and but God, what a line! Uh, but also the phrase "step off," you know, "step off." Like it, mm-hmm. it's one. It's kind of one letter away from like "fuck off," but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's it's the joy of like you never get to tell adults that you don't want to do something, and the fact that Dewey, I think, treats all of these kids like they are adults, and then also gives them the agency to to tell them to step off is like such a fun. It's, it's one of the I'm I'm curious, Will, what your favorite scene is in this movie because this is one of mine for sure. Everyone loves the performance, but I feel like this is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, step off. Um, so step off. Like it was a, the the performance definitely when the the first time I watched it like three days ago definitely gave me chills. The first time um, you watched it three days ago. The first time like I rewatched because I watched it today and then I also watched it three days ago. But you also rewatched it like a week and a half ago. That's is is that how long ago I whenever you, whenever I I'm not worried about the yeah. timeline here. Yeah, okay. It gave me chills rewatching it. Uh, growing up, uh, Step Off was a big favorite. Uh, I think I have to pick the math song as as a math boy. Uh, get off your ass, let's do some math. Is is uh, ironically very, most math very formative. Do math sitting down. I do I do a lot of math standing up. No, but you're a teacher. But I feel like a lot of math people even do even uh, researching at a at a chalkboard or a whiteboard that kind of stuff. That's fair. Yeah. See, I'm more of a pen and paper person, so I would be like, or on a whiteboard. I would just mobile. not do math. That, that I would did go to. Favorite. I was a comp. It's not kid, for everybody. Optional math. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. Now step off is great. Uh. Step off. Uh, yeah, so Dewey schmoozes the teachers more. He says that he uh, is friends with Yo-Yo Ma's cousin. You're going to have to remind me this story. So, well, I have... His. Right, so so full disclosure, so he whenever he's saying little nepotiz, he's saying, like, there was nepotism here, that the, his cousin got the role. Whenever I was a kid, I thought he was saying Yo-Yo Ma's cousin was, like, a rapper named... Lil nepotiz. Mm, mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know the word like nepotism. Whatever. I, 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 uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, I didn't know the word nepotism in 2003. 
Uh, so I thought he was just calling him Lil Nepotiz. I love that line. Also, especially because it's like, also, like, Yo Yo Ma is a very famous cellist, and we saw like mm-hmm. a couple scenes earlier, he literally doesn't know what a cello is, even though he can mm-hmm. immediately tell that it's a sideways bass, which I think mm-hmm. is funny. He should just know what a cello is. But like, to be like, oh yeah, Yo Yo Ma's cousin. I do mm-hmm. wish we had gotten a little name for Yo Yo Ma's cousin mm-hmm. from, from Dewey. Yeah. Been good. Good bit. Yo Yo Ma, I think, was in an episode of Arthur. I think he was. I think you're completely right about that. I Yo Yo Ma was just like a name where you were a kid and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know who that is. Why would we know who that is? You know, like yeah, he, wow, he was why? the cello guy. I, cello. I don't know. I feel yeah. it's like Yao Ming, where it's just like there's something about like mm-hmm. I haven't thought about Yao Ming certain in like years. very popular people who are of Asian descent, where it's like you hear their name and you're like, that's you're like eight and you're like that's the coolest name ever mm-hmm. but it's like just a completely normal name but yo-yo ma like who doesn't want to be named yo-yo yo-yo ma was actually in three episodes of arthur <laughs> 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 the first one being the season four episode it was a wonderful my time music my rules time. which came out in 1999 damn my joke was funny i'm just moving on uh anyways zach compliments uh him in front of all the teachers and this is another example of like jack black's a great mentor but a shitty teacher in that school um or maybe not even like for the school stuff they're learning um uh then uh dewey uh oh miss mullins announces the parents night presentation how she's nervous dewey burns his hand on the coffee at that moment um and he uh tries to get Roz. He finds out at the teacher's table that Roz got drunk listening to Stevie Nicks song. And that's uh, what he wants to do. He wants to take her out because she's a stiff person and he wants to loosen her up a little bit. So uh, he also takes the kids on an unauthorized field trip. Uh, Dewey has this recording and it reminded me of that lady teacher from Ned's the Classified where she was on the monitor, but not really. Um, Oh, like the... God. That's a deep cut. Yeah. Anyways, it was one of those computers that he had the recording playing on. We got the security team ushering them out. Do you out. mean an iMac from 2003? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, this is a rich school. They have iMacs. Yeah, but uh, then uh, they they go to audition for Battle of the Bands. Uh, Tamika uh, is nervous. I want to pause right for one second because I want to circle back to something, which is that uh, Principal Mullins likes Stevie Nicks, which I think is such a funny detail that I did not understand when I was a kid. And now as an adult, I'm like, that fucking rules. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like, well, is there is there any better artist to be than Stevie Nicks? That's that's the person she gets drunk and sings to. Yeah, I think that I think that's the one. That's great. Um. Oh man, Prince maybe. Is... Prince would be funny. Prince would just be yeah. a, a John Cusack Prince performance. Um, <laughs> make it happen. But also, like, especially but as like, Jesse. Yeah, the the rock and roll of it all, like that. It's Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. uh, John Cusack does a really good job. And I think it's even more obvious this time around watching it of like. She does such a good job of being like, I used to be fun, but like parents are assholes, and like I mm-hmm. can't be fun anymore. I'm not the night; I have to be the bad guy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She like she I I like that character note for her. And then we even see it come to a head later on where she's like, oh, there's so much stress because of parents night. Um, I'm, I forgot that Stevie Nicks was a plot point in this movie. But like the day before I wow. turned on Midnight Sun, which is Miley Cyrus's song uh, that heavily interpolates uh, seven, Edge of Seventeen. I think it's mm. called Midnight Sun. Midnight Sun. Sorry, Miley. I'm not. I'm not a Miley Cyrus. Uh, Midnight Sky. Uh, sorry. No, but I because I wanted the just like the wild wind blows. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, Dewey gives Tamika pep talk because Tamika is shy about performing. She's worried that people are gonna make fun of her for being fat. And if this didn't hit my heart before, I completely resonated with it. Um, and Dewey's like, listen, I'm fat, but I'm awesome. And I feel like Jack Black, I remember Jack Black made a TikTok recently and a lot of like the comments were like, this makes me feel that I can be sexy because it was like him in his underwear goofing off outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we love like that, like body positivity has always been something like awesome about him. Uh, anyways, Dewey's peps are Everyone up. Everyone wants to party with Aretha. Yeah, <laughs> I love that line. Well, yeah, because you know, because like, because I'm chubby and I'm sexy. Like, there's mm-hmm. also he's he's also not. There's a couple like there's a couple shots of him, uh, like shirtless for one reason or another, and he's like not insane. You know, I think Jack Black's put on a lot of weight now, but he's still a cool. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how you know it's the same thing as when you watch like that's so raven and you're like i was told raven simone was fat as a kid and uh what the fuck was i on about because that's deranged but Mm -hmm. this is to say like the 2000s were a terrible time for body positivity like the 2000s were a terrible time to be somebody who was not a size zero or two and i love this element of the movie because you know why don't you go on a diet because i like to eat fuck yeah i like to eat like you know it, it just it's such a fun part of the character and i think again it shows that like uh that dewey as a character is extremely emotionally in tune with everybody around him uh when he stops thinking about himself so much but he also can relate to everybody pretty deeply and is is really good at supporting them and raising them up and that's just one of the best parts of the character is like we see him go from kind of a selfish schmuck sleeping on a a, a pull up sleeping on a mattress and like with one of those you know pottery barn teen um like couch pillow cushion chair you know what i, I okay you just got to go back mm-hmm. into the beginning of the movie. you know they would be in every pottery barn magazine and it looks like it's kind of a back of a chair and it's got the arms on it anyways it's in the movie i'm mm-hmm. moving on from this plot point um mm-hmm. but yeah it goes from a slacker to, to a really emotionally intelligent guy and i love it yeah no i i Part of me wishes that I had seen this movie. I mean, as a child, I, like I'm life happens the way it happens, but uh, I think that might have helped, like just seeing this scene. And obviously, I think there would still be a lot of like a self journey that would happen. But like seeing this scene and like hearing those words might have been more powerful as a kid, like it, when I was like 11, than hearing it now. But uh, mm-hmm. you live and you learn. Um, Do we, uh, Freddie Jones? Uh, which to me, I was like. Mike White, you couldn't come up with a better name. You literally stole the one from Scooby-Doo, but whatever. Uh, Freddie. Freddie Jones, shut up. Freddie uh, is hanging out with the Rockers, and Dewey was worried, and this is like the moment that you 
feel like he starts to become a teacher like or like an adult even because like he's worried about the kids he knows this is not like where they're supposed to be and he gets worried for a second and i really like that like moment because it defines like kind of the second part of the movie where Dewey actively cares about these kids and he's kind of becoming more of a grown-up anyways uh, and also you don't want your kids to hang around these fucking stoners like he's right mm -hmm. get away from them yeah stranger danger freddy I want um, to see. I, I'm I'm going on a mission to see how old uh, Jack Black was in this movie, because let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Thirty-eight. Yeah, Thirty-eight. All right. What's your guess, Will? How old is Jack? Oh, Black? I I I already have IMDb. Wait, wait, wait. I want to change my guess. Because I want to say thirty-five. Let's see. So this movie was a 2003 he, comedy. Do you have the answer? Was... Well, he was born in 1969, and the movie came out in 2003. Uh, so I believe that makes him 34 when it came out. Oh, I was right. Look at that. Oh, but when it was filming, he was probably 32 or 33. Yeah, kind of young, kind of crazy how young he is. Yeah, I feel like people maybe think of him as like 40 or like in his 40s in this movie, but 32. No, what? Ew. Um. Anyways. Well, all and, teachers are old people. That's the thing. When you're a kid, all teachers are old. There's mm -hmm. no there's no grace of... You just understand that your parents are old and therefore your teachers are old. So they're all 40 or 50. if it was best friends that I was listening to recently, but someone was saying that like when you're old, when you're young, like a two-year age gap feels so like giant. And then when you're old, it's going to be... Wait, mm -hmm. no, maybe it was Ali Lasher and Akiva. Whatever. Anyways, they were talking about like age difference and like how it's. Well, like... that's because it's it's a larger percentage of your life at that point. Yeah. Mm. But then when you're old, it kind of like circles back to when it's like a big age difference. Like I think it was like seventy five and sixty eight. That's a big age difference. But like thirty one and thirty eight are not. Hmm. I would not hang out with thirty eight year olds. But I'm also not thirty one. Um, uh, no, wait, that there'd also be 30 lie. of them I have on account that you have hung out with 38 year olds recently as recently as May I don't even know who's 38 anymore so it, it's whatever okay. Anyways, don't at me Summer has <laughs> an idea uh, and she basically the idea is for them to lie and Dewey plays music with sick kids at the hospital uh, and they all they're, they, Will what do they have Stick it to the mongniosis. Stick it to the mongniosis. And then so they get, like, they bypass the audition process and get to perform in Battle of the Bands. Um, the terminal, every last one of them. The, <laughs> the, the funniest part of that scene is where, like, they, you know, they celebrate and he's like, you're dead, you're dying, you're dying. And you just see uh, Freddy just goes, he was lying on the ground. He gets up, celebrates, and goes right back to the ground. He just, he, mm -hmm. he falls straight down to the ground. Like, it's so yeah. funny when you notice it. And then we get this character moment in the band playing Immigrant Song, which is notoriously a hard song to get, like, clearance for. Like, Led Zeppelin does not like mm -hmm. having their songs in movies. I've only heard, like, any of their music in this movie and, like, Thor Ragnarok. Um, Wasn't this in Shrek? Yeah, I was just going to say, what are you talking about? This song is in Shrek too. Snow Snow White sings it. Snow White. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. I forgot Great about scene. that moment. Great scene. Listen. Um, I'll my introduction was this movie and Shrek 2 to this song. Mm -hmm. Great song. But anyways, like I, I read that um, Richard Linklater uh, 
made a film at the end, like after the last scene they filmed, which was the performance, they had Jack Black like do a song requesting them to use immigrant song in the movie and they sent it over to them and agreed. So it's like yeah. on the DVD extras. I, I think that's also like, again, this movie is so, this movie appreciates rock and roll, right? And it's not just, you know, trying to sell some like freaking like beer t- at the Super Bowl or whatever, like this. And, you know, Metallica's talked a lot about recently Stranger Things having a real uptick. Like when pieces of media have an appreciation for the art uh, that they're featuring, like it's always really nice. And I love it. I also love like, just having a van full of kids and playing them immigrant song like it's such a weird choice but it's really funny um and i I appreciate it yeah and i like this character moment from summer where she says she didn't do it for the grade she just did it for them Mm -hmm. um which is growth for another character four gold stars the the two uh groupies come up with the name school of rock which he loves and uh we also, uh, is this also the moment where they talk about costumes? Is that later? Oh, no, no, that's later. Sorry. Um, uh, then we get a Mullins, Principal Mullins red alert. Uh, they hide the instruments except one guitar. <laughs> I love how Dewey's first thing that he thinks of is writing E equals MC squared. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's why E equals MC squared. Oh, hello, Principal Mullins. And she sits in on the class. They do the math song. Will, can you sing it for us? Math is a wonderful thing. I could, I could, I could do the whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to. Boo! Tomato, tomato. But anyway. I love the line: "Get off your ass, let's do some math." Uh, no, Mullins... it's nine. No, it's eight. <laughs> great, great, great. Yes, one. I was testing you. It's nine. Principal Mullins is confused number. by his methodology. Um. <laughs> And he's he's like, well, let me explain it to you. Let me take you to a coffee shop. <laughs> Takes her to a pub on the other side of town. And then she's like, are you sure there's no coffee here? And the Irish bartender is like, no, sorry. I don't think very, I'm very sure. <laughs> yep. Um, there's something like there's I, I've been to like bars where you kind of feel out of place because you don't feel like punk rock enough. But this is just like such a great, you know, world's club. I'm. The one thing that I have to say is I know it's I know it's a comedy movie, but there are a lot of moments where like Principal Mullins should have caught his ass way earlier, like mm-hmm. especially in the opening, but this as well. But I do like how Dewey becomes not more manipulative. That's kind of fucked up to say, but like I do like how over time he gets even better at like you know kind of tricking Mullins and and mm-hmm. lying about things, especially when yeah. he lies to all the teachers and stuff. Like he we referenced his fake voice when he's like hi this is ned schmeepy wouldn't she recognize his voice was different if not recognize that he was the same guy on the phone um also do they not check id when you're checking in we'll get to this part later but like well you have to do the tax forms that's the big loophole right you have to fill out a w2 Mm -hmm. or a w4 yeah and that would just screw you because he doesn't know he doesn't know ned's social security number Mm -hmm. yeah that's a crime that's the crime i mean yeah we'll get to dewey should be imprisoned at the end of this movie, but anyways, wow. um, uh, Mullins is uh, they're talking. Dewey slips up, says, You can call me Dewey, which is my middle name, my first name is Ned. Uh, and uh, he uh, Principal Mullins wants to know about the other schools, 
meanwhile, Dewey saunters over to the jukebox, plays Edge of 17, says that he loves Stevie Nicks, uh, butters her up, and she says she might make a field trip exception. Uh, she's a little tipsy already. Um, and then he drives her back to the school, and she's very flattered that another teacher asked to hang out because she's so stressed about like being uh she has so much pressure on her that she feels like she alienated the teachers and because she has to be a hard ass so we get some character moments from miss joan cusack i love the the bit when he's talking about the field trip uh and he's uh he's like i want to i really want to take the kids to a concert they're gonna they're gonna play all the classics like beethoven and mozart and enya Yeah, you know, classic Enya. Enya uh, by Enya sheet music. Um, then we go to back to class the next day. Uh, Billy has some fashion ideas. Uh, Dewey shoots them down, and he's like, "What do you know about fashion? You're wearing that bow tie." He's like, "Don't talk he, he about said, my bow tie." Look at that bow tie. Don't, <laughs> don't you be talking, talking about, about my bow tie. tie. That line, don't you be talking about my bow tie, was was also a line I said a lot in eighth grade. Um, but then he's like, what if you just put on the school uniforms and uh, Dewey gets excited? And then Billy was like, wait, but I was joking. Um, so Zach writes a song uh, and Dewey's like, no more secret songs, mister. He teaches it to everyone. Uh, and it's a fun song. We were bored in those dumb days. We were stuck in those dumb days. I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, I only recently found out that it's dumb days, like D-A-Z-E. I thought it was days, like day of the week. It can be both. But lyrically, it's days, D-A-Z-E. Or that's just what the the uh, Amazon Prime captions person put. Yeah, I got to be honest. It was it was always we were stuck in the dumb days, like D A Y S. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was thinking like, oh, this is the dumb days. I'm stuck in school. I'm in the I'm mm-hmm. in like, you know, Monday through Friday. Like this is dumb. I hate it here. D U M D D A Y S. Those days are dumb days. Anyways, uh they sing and learn it. And Dewey is very proud of the kids. Um Dewey checks in with Roz just to dot the T's, cross the I's. I said that wrong, whatever. Uh, then uh, she's so stressed out about parents' night that she shoots Dewey down. Uh, and he agrees to be her date to parent-teacher night, which leads us to the climax of the movie. Because we go back to Dewey, Ned, and Patty's. Please. Wait, are, it, does Patty live there too or no? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell for sure, but I feel like she's there a lot. Like she was like working at one Right. Point. I also think that Principal Mullins, it's very funny, like, the the threat of, like, the teacher, because, like, or the parent night, because, like, for so long, Dewey's kind of been able to skate by, but, like, he doesn't realize what a threat the, the, the parents are, especially, like, you know, parents can be quite the, uh, quite the assholes when it comes to especially their children's education. Especially these parents who are so, like, strict to their kids already. Pay a lot like, of money, man. That, and you know what? Like, I... I don't love the parents of this movie, but they are right. Like we pay a fuck ton of money to be here and, and you're going to mm-hmm. fuck up my child's education. Those kids, some of those kids probably slipped back a reading level, you know, <laughs> they, they weren't practicing. Which ones? Name names. Um, Probably the ones that he didn't, 
because like music is good for education and all that but the kids who weren't playing instruments all is maybe gordon was the only one but he just probably like got good at computer programming or something but i would say the entire roadie team and and uh, i feel like billy got some artistic sense like creativity yeah but like you know Mm -hmm. what can he read at a at a appropriate fifth grade level or sixth? He can level? read Dewey to Phil. He can read Dewey to Phil. That's true. <laughs> um, uh, Ned sees the check, and Dewey confesses, and he's like, "Don't tell, don't tell Patty." But Ned, of course, tells Patty. Um, so I feel like I feel like this was a bad plan by Dewey to tell Ned. He should have just like, does he have any options? Or is this his only move? Strategically, of course. Say this again? Oh, wait, no. Go ahead, Will. Did he have any alternative options other than confessing in that moment? Yeah, I think once police are there, I I, I don't think he really has anything he can do. Any, any other ways to further the no no no. before the police when next sees the check oh like what can he say to ned yeah um yeah no i don't know because he know ned is gonna go to patty we've established that ned is a snitch um Mm -hmm. so anyways dewey confesses to roz um oh sorry i got distracted you were you were talking about uh mike white being hot and i compared to pictures of the Who's down in Whoville. Um, (laughs) uh, You know. Did he look like one of them? I could show you. I know exactly what you mean. I don't need to see that visual. (laughs) Screen share. Uh, Chrome tab. Here's the can I can I do two chrome tabs at once? I don't know. Here I'll window. Do the Whoville because they're the window. Looks like. Okay, well here's Mike White and here's some who's in Whoville. I don't see it. I think or he even looks the like ones the, Yeah, show, do, no, he looks like the 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 ones from the non CGI right. movie. No, right. No, not not the not, real life movie. Scroll down more. So, like who's yeah, that 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 photo where they're all singing Dahu Doris. This one. That one. Okay. Yeah. I don't see it. I think it's the nose. I think it's the hair. His hair is just like so. That's true. Are we keeping this in the podcast? I don't know. Uh, about well. That. <laughs> Anyways. Um, whatever. I wanted to say that. um. This I love the scene where where Ned's like or Dewey aka Ned is like I'm a fraud I'm not a teacher and she's like substitutes are teachers like it's such a great <laughs> like Joe Cusack is just so funny and mm-hmm. like the whole that, like him yeah. originally trying to confess is is hilarious but uh, if he wasn't gonna get found out by the checks in the mail he was definitely gonna get found out at parent night huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so he he tell like to set up what you're saying. He tells Roz that he's not a real teacher, and then she says that line: "Substitutes are real teachers." Also, like the fact that a a sub who's been there for like three weeks is... that was only three weeks. I don't think he'd been there that long. He'd only got one like paycheck in the mail. Right. So either way, I don't think 
a, Those kids I, fast. I think I think a sub would have to be a lot longer term of a sub in order to be in order to have to present something at parents' night. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like thought I thought he could have just gotten out and, and not gone. Do we know what happened to the other teacher? She broke her leg. Uh, she I think, back in I a, think the line mask. was that she fell in the shower. Uh, I think I, I, I saw one of the one of the trivia facts on IMDb was that in like an original screenplay, Jack Black hit her with his car. <laughs> um, but they changed it to she fell in the shower. Not to go back to Glee, but remember when Sue Sylvester pushed that nurse down the stairs so he could get uh, Mr. Uh-huh. Schuster's wife to work there? You know what? I don't remember. I think I vaguely That's the energy that that, <laughs> that scene had. Okay, anyways. Um, so he's talking to the parents. The parents are like, what are you teaching our kids? Why are they, why is CD's homework, like, why is my kid being rude? Um, and then the cops show up with Patty. Um, and they come, they're talking and Dewey is distracted. The kids want to tell their parents what the secret project is. Uh, Patty snitched. Ned snitched. Dewey runs. The kids snitch too. The kids snitch on the project. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they don't snitch that he's a fake teacher. Well, I think the kids don't realize that they're snitching. Is the yeah. thing? They're still snitches. Yeah, they they definitely are still snitches. He did tell them to keep it a secret, but I don't Ooh. think they. Uh, realize to what level they're snitching do they know that they're gonna participate in a battle of the bands like to them this is just like intercontinental band practice well like they they knew it was a battle of the bands of sorts they just thought the other bands were like also kids and and yeah and not no vacancy anyways patty and dewey argue um and he he Dewey should be in prison, as AJ Norris said on his episode of Mike White Was Robbed. Dewey should be in prison. Identity theft is a crime, mm-hmm. Jim. Well, I mean, he did have the line like, uh, your kids have touched me, and I'm pretty <laughs> yeah, sure that's I it. touched them too. <laughs> At that moment, I was like, I, I yelped. I forgot that line. Jay, um, yeah, Mike he should be in prison. Him. Absolutely. Before that line and after. Uh, but I'm glad for the movie's sake, it's a better ending that he didn't. We don't want to go down that path, but um, legally speaking, I think if this was real life, Dewey would be in jail. Uh, the did the- yes, I think it's fair to say that this is a federal offense to impersonate another person and try and get their paycheck, especially if he deposited the checks. Uh, that would mm-hmm. also be mail fraud if you okay. opened it up since it was addressed to, to Nash Neebly. He did get Ned the money that he needed for rent because Ned can just deposit it. But... Yeah, I know. That's the one thing is like, you know what, Ned? Why, why question a good thing, right? You got, you just mm-hmm. got, 12, you get 1200 bucks. Like, that's, that's pretty tight. Yeah. Um, Patty and Dewey argue the next day. Uh, and Ned tells him that he quit because he didn't want to keep flopping uh, like they were, uh, not because he lost his love of music. He kicks Dewey out. Um, so the but I guess he still has a night to live there. They're not gonna kick him out to the curb to a hotel or something. But the kids go get Dewey the next morning while the parents are all yelling at Roz. Uh, a teacher sees that they leave. Roz steps out for a minute. She takes she bangs her head against the corner of a wall on the stairwell, takes some deep breaths, and she sees the teacher running around being like, Where are they? And Roz comes back. She's like, Your kids are missing. Mm-hmm. Yay! Um, 
because they all left because they wanted to stick it to the man. Uh, well, and I also think that they're you know they worked really hard on this show, and I think it just goes to show that like a lot of what this movie is about also is about like not not just doing what your parents tell you, not just not just mm-hmm. living a life where you're doing whatever makes other people happy. If you want to go play in the Battle of the Bands, go play in the Battle of the Bands. And these parents should be doing a better job of listening to what their kids like and want and not uh, just like forcing them to try and be like, you know, the best at everything or the I'm best at something they don't like. Dad. So uh, Ned uh, also chooses to go to the show once the kids wake Dewey up. How do they know where he lives? Um, That's the biggest plot hole, I would say. Is yeah. How do they know where their teacher lives? Yeah. Maybe the bus driver knew? No. No, because the bus driver thinks it's Mr. Schneebly still. But anyways, uh, Ned chooses to go to the show. Patty scolds him because she's like, when are you going to tell him, like, grow backbone? And he does, and, like, he leaves to go to the show. Um, and Dewey chooses to use Zach's song instead of his. He wants to showcase Zach's talent. I love the scene that the parents have to buy a ticket because it very much feels like a lived experience like you have to buy a movie ticket to yell at the like to talk to a manager or something or whatever um uh listen felipe punk rock doesn't give a shit of that your kids are in danger punk rock wants you to buy a mm-hmm. ticket man. yeah they should have just stuck it to the man but they never learned that lesson but anyways uh we get the performance um and the parents are and Roz are both proud mad the kids are superstars uh, we love they lose to Dewey's ex bandmates. No vacancy. This performance yeah. is just incredible. Gave me chills. I was gonna say you're really glossing over the performance here. You, yeah, you, like, like the best one of the best climaxes of the movie. They performed, but then I was gonna stop down and say the performance gave me chills. It made me cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it captured a lack, a, like a loss of innocence. Like you back at a time when you had that innocence, like it was pure. Uh, I like, love it reminded me of elementary school theater. I love the attention to detail that earlier in the movie, whenever Zach is like showing the song to them and Jack Black is like, uh, do you mind if I take a solo there? And he starts like singing the, the guitar solo he wants to play. It's exactly the same as what he does end up playing, uh, which I, I love the detail. I One of my favorite bits uh, parts of this is just the idea that like a bunch of people showed up to a battle of the bands at like 3 p.m. Yeah. And, like on a weekday. Theater. Uh-huh. Yeah, on a weekday. And all of the parents are skipping school, skipping their jobs to yell at the principal. And then they mm-hmm. continue to skip their jobs to go to this. Like, it's such a funny thought that the battle of the bands is just happening in like kind of broad daylight. Right. I think um, it's, it's like easy to easy to not notice it because they have the two scenes of the parents yelling at the principal back to back but one of them happens like at teachers uh, like at parents night and then the next one they all came back the next day yes just to yell again (laughs) (laughs) oh my god the to me my favorite part of this song is um when the lights go down and like then it's like like they're all playing and then like the lights come back up they jump off the stage and like because because to be fair uh 
what I do love about this movie is that, like, they're so a little awkward, right? They're not, like, child stars. They're not, like, mm-hmm. you know, a JoJo Siwa kind of overly trained motherfucker. Which, mm-hmm. you know, no shade to them. They dance really hard. They're good dancers. But, like, the, they're a little awkward, right? They're a little goofy looking, and they all kind of mm-hmm. look stupid in their outfits. But they're really selling it. And that's, I think, what you were talking about with, with you know, being a theater kid is, like, yeah, you're dressed up in like a, a doctor's coat because you're pretending to be an adult and you're not. You're like 10. But it's still really fun to watch how much enthusiasm everybody has for the situation they're in. And that's what I love about this this song, especially that it's Zach's song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love the, the little touch at the end that like uh, the guy who replaced Dewey starts hitting on Roz. Like that that was hilarious Last to me. Classic spider, but also because um, anyway. it's hot, like obviously, this is why. so the parents mm-hmm. all boo and like everyone like boos that they lost. So they have the school of rock perform an encore, which was um, they they're the fan favorite, so they play an encore. And what winning is- isn't everything, Felipe. Winning isn't everything, it's, it's about it's about the connections you make and the future you're set up for, and uh. You know, I believe that's what Mike White that. said when he lost the Amazing Race the first time. No, I'm it's, all, it's all about making straight A's. Yeah, it's um, a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It's a long way to the mat if you want to rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we get we get like kind of this post credit scene where we see like Dewey. Uh, it's not a post credit scene because the credits are the credits that are incredible credits. Uh, take a shot every time I said that word in the last sentence uh dewey dewey starts this after school music program in his building and mike white is teaching the little little kids how to start playing music and we get this whole credits sequence song like uh like talking it's very meta it's talking about the credits Mm -hmm. and like all the names and the yeah the best part of one of the best parts of the movie i would say i Mm -hmm. love this song i i sing this song to myself when movies Mm -hmm. end the movie's almost over, movie's but we're still on screen. No, I watch every credits, like of everything that every movie that I watch, I watch the full credits because there's a lot of people who work on these things, and I just feel like the, the always, least you can do is respect them. I always look for the best boy. Uh, best boy I think best it. boy is a is a what about best boy electric? Uh, both best boys. Uh, but it, this was very reminiscent of like the end of an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway, where they have to improv <laughs> reading the people's names. <laughs> <in> the <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. But also that, uh, like, again, this is like go back and watch the scene. You can hear them mess up a little. You can hear that it's not perfect because they're actually playing and mm-hmm. singing in the moment. Like this is straight up a recording of them playing. It's not that they recorded this song later and then played it over and they're all lip syncing or whatever. Like there's a little bit of messing up. Sometimes the rhythm's a little funky. It's not a perfect drum solo by any means. It's a lot of just 16 notes, you know, but it, it's still mm-hmm. really good. I also love something else that that speaks to how iconic this movie is because uh, they, you know, they make the the school that is actually called the School of Rock. There are actual like places that exist in the world now that are called School of Rock because of this movie, School of Rock. There is one in the city where I live. I have a friend who works at the School of Rock uh, and it's a, a very cool program inspired by the program that's in this movie. 
Have y'all ever watched the clips from the 10-year reunion? Of course I have. Of course okay. I have. So yeah. good. Shout out to Leonard, who was the only one not there. We hope you're doing well. But it was a lot of fun to see, like, especially like the background kids get a chance to perform. Like, mm-hmm. like Billy didn't sing in the movie, but then he was like, and this is Brian and Jordan, I think was the other person's name. And they like sang together. They had Z and Fanta sang a line. Like that was a lot of fun to see the other kids shine. Like you can tell that like, regardless of the aftermath of this, like there have been like stuff that's come out about like the bullying that some of these kids have faced because they were in this movie, like Brian Faldudo, I don't, I think that's how you say it, Falduto, uh, said that like he was bullied for being the gay kid on School of Rock. And like, that was like a long time to like get to a place where he's happy with himself. But uh, like, they still clearly love this experience. Like regardless of all the negativity that might have come after, like they had fun while it was being made. I think that there is something that I think every child actor goes through, which is just the reality that like you are a little bit different than you're experiencing something a little bit different than anybody else is. You get picked on because kids are awful and kids are mean, but I think having somebody as kind as Jack Black at the head of this really takes everything to a different level because it's not just, you know, I've met a lot, I've met a couple, you know, child actors in my time and, and it can be a really lonely experience because you're surrounded by adults who you'll get to know for a couple of weeks and then you'll never see again. And it's just you and your parents or maybe you and your siblings. And I think that it, seems like such a positive environment to be around all these different kids and to be with lots of different people um and it's just a shame that those experiences translate because this movie i think has a lot of representation and positivity and it's a shame that it doesn't you know that it, it's a as i said the 2000s were not a great time for for kindness and anti-bullying sentiment i would say mm-hmm. yeah uh, and that's like the thing like you have Jack Black there who's awesome you also have like all these other kids with you Richard Linklater is like known for working with kids so like it feels like this is a good experience for a child actor compared to like a lot of other toxic sets that we know of um, and probably many that we don't know of. anyways uh what would a School of Rock sequel look like to you? Like, if there was one, there have been talks many times about one. Like, would you prefer, like, a Disney Plus-style show about, like, one of these people being Jack Black? Or would you prefer, like, them all coming together as adults? Uh, or, like, would you want a sequel that was focused on kids again? Or would you like to see where the kids are as adults? Or would that just taint the movie for you? I don't know that the world needs a sequel to this movie. I think it is. I think it's like perfect in its box. These characters each had a story that was great for them. Um, and I think I like, you know, Nickelodeon tried to do school of rock again. Um, and I, I don't know how, how it hit with the, with the young people. Um, but it, it, it didn't, uh, certainly didn't didn't live up to the same that that the movie did. Um, maybe you, you know if if I were to see a sequel to this, I think I would want to see uh, like a where are they now? 
here's here's the pitch. Here's like the pitch. an iCarly sort of thing, like where they as adults. Yeah, but I but I think it would need to come like I think the kids need to have kids. I think I think the the kids in this movie need to be the grown ups in the next movie. Their kids now they're the parents trying to make the kids do music and rock, but the kids don't want to do rock. The kids mm. want to like I don't. know. Maybe the, maybe the kids want to be like like uh, maybe it's maybe it's a sports movie. The kids okay. want the kids want to play basketball, but sports. the parents are trying to make them sports. <laughs> no, oh, we're on track. It. No, so my pitch is they all are reunited for whether it's like a class reunion or um, like the, a, a lot a couple of the kids. It doesn't be every single one, but like as many as want to come back. Obviously, there's extenuating circumstances with some of them. Uh, tragically not being alive anymore but uh they all come back and then they're like reunited like they, they like have a stale nine to five one of them or like the other ones are like unhappy in some sort and then they like start playing music together again and create music and maybe like perform in another battle of the bands um and then you can have like they have kids now like I kind of want to make it like modern though. Like I, I like what iCarly has done, the reboot, and like having it be authentic to where the kids are now. As the kids, to Lizzie the kids don't want to do rock; they just want to be TikTok famous. That's see, I'm I'm on Team Will here. I you know I think that you know kids just want to be dancers on TikTok, and and that's the thing. I think that the parents are going to spread out all over, right? But they're going to come back because Jack Black needs to teach them the art of rock and roll. Because you, you can't do this without Jack Black. Okay. That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Jack Black runs a summer camp and for music. And they send their kids there. And then it's more focused. And then the parents come back at the would, end. Would, would the camp be called Camp Rock? No. Because that is another iconic movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the real answer is you don't ever touch this movie with a sequel ever. You leave it right. as it is. Perfect. It doesn't need anything else. I would want like a reunion special, like them like talking about the making of this movie. Like fuck mm-hmm. Harry Potter. This is the childhood reunion we wanted. Sure. Yeah, I would. I would love that. Um, but but I I agree that this this movie is like too perfect on its own. To I I think you you try and do anything to add to the story and and it gets much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, any final school of rock thoughts? Uh, I think I said everything that I have in my notes. Yeah, this is a great I, movie. I love the it. Podcast so much. almost over. Podcast almost over. I, I feel like you can just see the kids, like if you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff, or you watch them in the movie, like when they're having fun, they are very genuinely having fun, and I think that I. Uh, so many of the movies that we love to criticize in the Neo movies, I think, make being a kid uh, or, or make children sort of inferior or stupid. And that's, like, one of the beauty of Max Keeble's big move is that it's, like, about kids really being, like, grown-ups and also having a lot of opinions and things to say. But this is a movie for, like, I think the band kids, right, where they're playing their own instruments. You can be cool and play an instrument. You can rock and roll. Um, and I, I know that for me, like, there's nothing more comforting than the idea of like kids playing music uh, from now until forever. So I will always be a school of rock stan. 
Well, we still got some things to take care of. Uh, we got to do our scores and our MVPs and LVPs, which uh, we also call the Naomi Calhoun Dropkick Award sometimes. So, uh, Will, as our guest, who who do you want to give the MVP to this movie to? I I did not know I would have to do this. Uh, uh, someone's not a Miss uh, Naomi movies fan. It's Clearly, okay. I, I won't hold it against you. No, me neither. I don't really care. But, uh, uh, however, I feel like this is like Phineas and Ferb territory. You know, I like to do. This yeah. Thing. Anyways, yeah, no, we'll go to no, Naomi no. first, and we'll no, I, I'm good. I, I was I. You didn't let me finish my sentence. Comma, but I think it's got to go to Jack Black. The character of Dewey Finn, he makes the he makes the movie. Um, I, I do agree that you know every every character is is an incredible character, all played very well. But this this movie is not anything without Jack Black as as Dewey Finn. Uh, Naomi, do you agree with that statement? Um, I do agree with the statement. I think that th- there's no question that Jack Black is is the reason this movie exists. I will say that the MVP on the other side of things is Miranda Cosgrove. Miranda Mm. Cosgrove is like the best plucky little kid in the end when she's like, I'm their manager. You're like, fuck yeah, go get it. And, and that's like, I think the, a lot of the children's performances is based on like, you know, some of them are more quiet and, and some of the scenes there, they have to be like a quiet character. But I think that Miranda Cosgrove just knocks it out of the park, but Jack Black is number one. I think, uh mc's number two similarly to naomi i agree with everything you said but i'm also going to go with someone else just because this movie needs an antagonist and to have an antagonist that you're rooting for so hard in Roz, and like you want her success too because she's so charismatic so likable despite being kind of a stick in the mud figure and like you want jack black to succeed but you also don't want Roz to like fail i feel like joan croft joan cusack um did a great job creating this character um and her physical comedy like naomi touched on earlier uh is incredible so i do want to give her some flowers as well do we have a dropkick award for this movie i am uh i'm between two people or i there's there's two people i'm strongly considering for my my lvp person who made me the most mad um I think the obvious choice is uh, Patty, played by Sarah Silverman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also like a handful of those. Zach's dad. It could be Zach's dad, too. Like all the parents. Uh, <laughs> most of the parents. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Patty. Uh, so Patty. here's. Yeah, I I feel like I'm I'm patting in this. I'll, I'll pick a pick a little. Uh more obscure one but i think the thing is is that zach zag comes around to the idea of zach playing guitar Mm -hmm. rock and roll right like zach's dad signs him up for the school of rock so we we know he's not all bad Mm -hmm. um my pick is adam pascal for kicking Mm. the the band but also because i hate adam pascal and i don't like (laughs) can we get this story i just don't like the way he sings i hate i've I've hated him since i saw rent the movie i i just i i find him one song glory is one of the worst songs i've ever fucking heard in my life and i and i don't like rent very much and i think that he's bad and i but you know it's Adam, whatever all right i, I just not just ranting about adam pascal as a singer but this is to say that i think that uh the other band they could have been nicer about kicking dewey out you know they just replaced yeah. him that's rude um it's hard for me to give anyone in this movie because even everyone has their purpose right um Part of me wants to just give it to the gym teacher because he seemed toxic. 
I don't know why. I just he, felt he like took, I don't he, he took a he took a joke at his expense very well. I don't know. He, Those who can't teach, he looks teach like Jim, a comedian right? that is very problematic. So I was like, mm, I don't like you. One, we'll, we'll talk about this later. Anyways, uh, so I I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't trust him, but that's not reason enough for me to give him an LVP when he was very irrelevant to the plot of this movie. Um, yeah, I guess give it to Zach's dad for like putting so much pressure on his kid. Um, like Spider was a contender, but I didn't really have any reason to give it to him either. So mm-hmm. just the that ugly outfit that he wore. Um, have uh either of you seen Righteous Gemstones? No. Okay. I but isn't it basically have. Promised Land Succession, uh, like one of those shows? What? No. Not at all. No. Uh, like it's it's but, about like a fairly. That, do you think Succession is not a comedy, Felipe? What? I've never seen Succession, but I, it's one of those like the dad is giving up his throne to like his kids mm-hmm. sort of shows, right? Mm-hmm. Like Promised Land and Succession. That is, that is like part of part of a plot line, maybe. Okay. Yeah. There, there's all this to say the the guy who plays Dewey Thin in the School of Rock TV show uh, plays Keith. Wait, wait, in, pause. In, they uh, recast Jack oh. Black. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jack Black's not in that Nickelodeon. I didn't know show. it was. I thought it was just about the School of Rock. I didn't think it was going to be like about Dewey. Oh, yeah. No, it, the characters have the same names, but it's like uh, I hate this. Everyone, but but the guy yeah. who plays Keith. Uh, who Wait, is a hilarious so character funny. in that show. Oh my god. <laughs> I have to... And now I kind of do want to watch it. Because mm. he's really funny. And right, yeah. Righteous Gemstones is like going to be my play of the week. Righteous Gemstones was so good. I watched that whole fucking... Yeah, so let's talk about scores for this movie. Uh, I just looking at our notes and Matty G gave Lil Romeo the MVP for Matt's people. Mm, not wrong. That makes not me wrong. laugh. Uh, where would Lil Romeo fit in this movie, Naomi? Uh, Lil Romeo would, uh, Lil Romeo would, I think, be part of the style team because I do think Lil Romeo had a lot of style. Um, I remember that TV show very fondly, and uh, I think he had a lot of like cool outfits, and I think that he would really increase the style of the group. Maybe some choreo too. I feel like they were a little robotic. Yeah, you know? they were a little wooden choreographed. I think, uh, I think Lil Romeo would be Yo Yo Ma's cousin. <laughs> Lil Nepotiz. <laughs> Anyways, Will, what are you giving this movie zero to five stars? Uh, I this is one I I think in my top five favorite movies. I've got to give it five stars. I I fuck the haters. I am not considering anything but five stars for this movie. Okay. Maybe yeah, it has faults, but I'm gonna ignore them. Five, five stars. stars. Yeah, five stars. This is our first perfect movie. This is uh the first movie Naomi's given a perfect five to. This is the second movie I've given a perfect five to. Some of our guests have given their movies perfect fives, but this is our first perfect movie. Congrats, School of Rock. It is probably the best movie we have seen. If I had to, like, the two movies that I've given fives might be in my top ten favorite movies of all time. So, um, that's exciting. Like, and this is a recent discovery for me. So, and the fact that it has this chokehold over me and makes me so happy. And mm-hmm. I could rewatch this all day. So, the power of rock and roll, baby. Yeah. Um, anyways, shall we get to pop culture and the plugs? Sure thing. Uh, Will, talk to me. Uh, yeah, you can find me anywhere at Davis, Will. <laughs> they always podcasting down. Um, you can also hear me 
every now and then on <laughs> everyone and their brother podcast. Oh, I thought you were going to say what you're doing. I was like, yeah, it, ha- it is every now and uh, then. Yeah. Both. Uh, and and what you do in podcasts that uh, fin- uh, Felipe and Navi and I do about Phineas and Ferb. We just tried to do an episode without Navi. Uh, you can tell <laughs> why she's the glue of the show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, doing doing fun stuff everywhere. Uh, we just recorded an episode about Pokemon for everyone and their brother. You can find that uh, at EATV Podcast. Um, pop culture wise, yeah, go ahead. About- Oh, what Pokemon would be Dewey's main Pokemon? Um, this might be a better question for Navi as our Wii expert, but yeah, I there's got to be a good like rock and roll Pokemon, probably a rock, the one that's uh, a Golem. Geodude is a big old rock. Uh, Geodude. Yeah, Geodude would be good. Machamp. Yeah, well, he's fighting type, but uh, moving on to uh. My pop culture plug of the week uh, is the new show on HBO by Nathan Fielder called The mm-hmm. Rehearsal. The first episode just came out a couple of days ago, uh, and it was hilarious. Uh, what is it so about? It's from the creator of Nathan For You. Yeah, I got it. Um, <laughs> and instead of giving uh, out-of-the-box business advice, he is like helping people uh, overcome everyday situations by rehearsing every possible scenario of the way it could go um and if if you've ever seen the the series finale of nathan for you called finding francis uh this show is like nathan for you if every episode was finding francis um it's great miss naomi mm-hmm. tell us everything from your bed so first of all don't call <laughs> I me out like that. naomi is completely horizontal right now well, I'm I'm mostly horizontal because like I've been sitting on my you know when your legs fall asleep at a certain point from sitting on your bed that's what I'm experiencing right now so I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. to get the trying to get everything back to the right spot um but I I was upright the entire podcast uh unlike some uh, Akivas I know um <laughs> I what do I have to plug right now um check out SurvivorNewYork.com/slash/c/slash/SurvivorNewYork um check out more mike white was robbed if you're listening to this on the brazilian dragon feed um for me you can follow me on twitter at naomi calhoun um check out the episode you with navi i think that was the most recent one you dropped yes navi's a homie so navi's not only a homie navi's the glue that keeps you guys together um yeah navi and i talked about sherry beathman from survivor caramon which is a really funny episode and i really loved it a whole lot and i've loved the last uh you know new season quote unquote of uh, Mike White was robbed, so please listen to that. Wow, um, shading season one for what? No, I'm not <laughs> shading season one. I'm just saying that we put out, I put out a lot of good stuff recently. Um, and on top of that, you can check me out uh, anywhere books are sold. I don't know. I like I, I actually am not podcasting a lot these days, uh, but I will have some new Survivor New York stuff out. So tune in. Uh, go to Instagram. Follow Survivor New York on Instagram. That's my advice. And pop culture? Uh, watch The Righteous Gemstones or Succession. Just DM me when you watch one of those. Okay. Um, so you can follow me at Brazil Dragon Pod on all social media. That's where I'm promoting everything here. Uh, I'm excited about our next Total Drama guest. AJ Norris is going to be joining Autumn and myself. That will be on Thursday of this week after you hear this podcast. Uh, what? Will Davis just followed Survivor New York. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you, said, you said follow Survivor New York, so I did. 
I, I was like, oh, I started I, the Survivor Nerd Instagram mostly just being Chris and love when I get a notification that's like something happened that I think I accidentally posted a story or like no, I accidentally posted like a selfie on Survivor New York, but it's just Chris making stories. So I love running. Mm-hmm. I love co-running and Instagram is my favorite. Love it. Uh, Thanks. Speaking of co-running and Instagram, you can check out the Instagram for the Brazil Dragon podcast feed. I definitely recommend all the fun stuff we do over there. Um, yeah, that's coming up soon. Uh, High School Musical, the musical series season three is coming out soon. Caitlin and I will be talking about it. Plus, we have a co-host when Caitlin is out of the country because she's going to the UK soon. So we got another Davis Brothers. You, Caitlin. Into- what? You, Caitlin? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Imagine a country just for Caitlin. Her head would be so big, and it's already giant. So uh, we're getting another Davis brother to come in and talk about this Camp Rock season of High School Musical, Musical the Series. Sam Davis is going to be my co-host uh whenever caitlin's out of town and i'm very excited about that uh they released the first song it's on i'm upset that big red is not going to be on this season i have thoughts you can check that out on the later podcast pop culture plug um not to bring the mood down but naya rivera recently passed away two years ago uh and it is the anniversary of her death this month and so i was listening to her her book uh she wrote a book sorry not sorry and listening to the audiobook version has helped me process a lot of feelings that bubble up every every mid-July uh, when I think about how she should still be around. Uh, if you want something more positive, which I highly recommend the book, uh, you can check out... What am I watching? I don't even know what I'm watching. Jurassic Park, the original. Watch it. Anyways. Uh, I'm with the great Laura Dern. Yeah. Yes. Will and I both just uh, Laura Dern. Thing. Laura Dern, uh, underreported story. Laura Dern is my uh, logo for my Netflix profile. For what movie? Marriage Story. Marriage Story. It was you were yeah. allowed to have you were allowed three years ago to pick Laura Dern as the picture for your profile, and now it's not an option anymore. So I can never change it, uh, and I won't because why would I? Why would I indeed? See, I would just pick a dinosaur. Because that's me. Uh, if, but uh, I guess you're talking about Marriage Story, not Jurassic Park. Anyways, uh, it has been a long day. Do we have a hashtag for this podcast? Um, hashtag is uh, ha- hashtag kick some ass. Like just when you're thinking about yeah. if you're stick having it to the day, mandiosis. Stick it to the mandiosis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, until next time at the Nail Movies, where we're talking about a movie I'm very excited about. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Later, skaters. Okay. Starts off. The dark stage. And then a beam of light. And you can see me and my guitar. Down, now, now, now. In the end of time, there was a man who knew the road. And the writing was written on the stone and then a thin layer of fog rolls in around my ankles roadies that means dry ice we're going to talk about this later in the ancient time an artist led the way but no one seemed to understand chimes freddy in his heart he knew 
The artist must be true. But the legend of the rent was way past due. And then, Katie, you come in with the bass. Well, you think you'll be just fine without me, but you're mine. You think you can kick me out of the band? And then, Zach, you come in with a face melter. Well, there's just one problem there. The band is mine. How can you kick me out of what is mine? And then Hawaii Five-O. You ever see that show? Okay. Well, there's a drum solo in it that goes. You're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. And then that's where I want the backup singers to be like, "Well, you're not hardcore. No, you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. Unless you live hardcore." But the legend of the rent was way hardcore. Boom! Big old explosion. Some, like, confetti comes down. Anyway, that's all I got so far. It's a work in progress. Joseph Gordon-Levitt decided to make his thing all about, like, vlogging. No, I don't remember that. No, I remember, remember when uh, Jeremy Renner tried to create the Jeremy Renner app. But that's I do remember stuff. the Jeremy Renner app. Um. Okay, Jeremy Renner... Uh, Jeremy Re- Jeremy Renner's cover of The House of the Rising Sun is in the Umbrella Academy. And I only know this because I was watching last night with Danny. And then it just said in the bottom, House of the Rising Sun by Jeremy Renner. And I was like, I know that song's not by Jeremy Renner. <laughs> and then I listened. I was like, holy fuck, this is his cover of this song. That's Siobhan wrong. Magnus had a great cover of that on American Idol. And I'm probably the only person in the world who remembers Siobhan Magnus, but she's a queen. Her cover of Jeremy Renner's cover of. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, what's up? Uh, we're the School of Rock, and this song was written by our own Zach Mooneyham.
Thanks. So's yours. <laughs>